Yeah, welcome <laughs> welcome to a podcast where you won't get coronavirus from us speaking to you through the microphone. You might get Coca-Cola virus. It's uh sugarier it's it's more sugary and more fun. Um but also more addicting. So diabetes. No. That's not it. Ah. There we go. They didn't ask us. Was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. And now, here are your hosts, Jay Crowder and John Mueller. Another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. We are on episode 14. So glad to have you back. Welcome. Uh, you might be locked inside right now or stuck at home because you're sick and nobody wants to talk to you anymore well that's okay because you can listen to us it's true we'll uh we'll always be here we will love you forever Aww. welcome <laughs> well guys if you haven't heard already there is this uh coronavirus outbreak covid19 I know you thought you would probably get away from it with this podcast, but unfortunately, it has actually affected a lot of our, well, the entertainment that we love. It's really affected it, you know, just to start things out, we can talk a little bit about how this virus outbreak has stopped uh, a movie that John and I were both super excited about, No Time to Die. They definitely took that title literally. And said, we're not going to release it because we don't want people to die. We got no time to die. We want you to see this movie. But you can have no time to die in November. It's kind of a weird, a weird language quirk because it's like, oh, no time to die now. But there will be time to die later. So that's a relief to know that it is coming out. Now, there are some other movies, though, that... Um, Mulan, for example, and also A Quiet Place Part 2. Both of these movies I was super excited about, and I am very sad to say that they have been postponed indefinitely. So no telling when that will come out. My guess is probably summer, but at the same time, that's just very upsetting to me. I I was really looking forward to going out and seeing this. But, of course, they want to make money off of it, which I understand, but... I'll be honest with you, I hadn't thought about that aspect of, like, coronavirus, because, I mean, recently to to our recording this episode, you know, all of the sports leagues shut down. I mean, things have kind of progressed from there, and I had... NBA is completely shut down, so is uh, MLB, right? To my knowledge, all of them have, except... Uh, the NFL has said it will not affect the start of the league year, but I mean, league year is off season. So it's things like free agency and, um, like the draft will probably get affected somehow. Right. Um, There won't be a big crowd for it, but MLS did a 30 day, Uh, um, delay NHL, I think is, is indefinite. They paused the season. It was their wording. Wow. And then, like, like you said, NBA suspended their regular season and MLB delayed. The thing that got me was the NCAA completely canceled the men's and women's basketball tournaments. Like, that okay, seems so, unprecedented. So that's that's new information to me. I didn't know that they had canceled it. I thought they had just said no crowd 
but have they completely said no games at all? They have. It was it was earlier today. Today, what is today? Thursday, the twelfth. So it was kind of a domino effect. All of the conferences canceled their tournaments, and then like mid afternoon today, because I was I was still at work. Mid afternoon, I got an alert. Uh, from Bleacher Report saying like the NCAA has canceled men's and women's basketball tournaments and all remaining uh, like winter and spring competition. Wow. Except for like I think it was like track or something. Like hmm. there was I think there was on the radio on the way home they said there was like one thing that didn't get canceled, but it was something that wasn't like crowd dependent. Hold on a second. I think. There's a ghost in our house. Our TV just randomly turned on. <laughs> Hold on just a second. You got it. That was weird. Sorry. And I'm back. So, you having a ghost in your in your place. Did you uh, think about calling Scoob? I did not. A movie I am actually getting progressively more excited for, I'll be honest Wh- with you. When does that come out? Uh, Well, I mean, if, if it comes out, I believe it's supposed right. to be May... Okay. Is, I think it's I think it's close to my birthday, but I can't remember if it's before or right after. So either mid, mid or late May. I love Scooby Doo. I'm unashamed to say it. I mean, it was a classic growing up as a kid, so I don't blame you at all. Well, moving on with the news. Uh, also coming up, we the What If series. Uh, the What If series is set to release next summer, 2021. Along with, uh, well, actually, this was said by, you know, our golfing buddy, Bob Iger. He said that uh, Loki is set to release early next year. So, 2021. So, that will be really exciting. Man, Bob Bob picked a great time to get out of the game. Because I also heard today that they were closing. It was either Disney World or Disneyland. Or both. Yeah, the I mean, one, probably both. Yeah, the one out there in California. Yeah, so Bob Bob picked a great time. Yes, he did. So other news, well, another so, yeah. So, well, since our since our previous episode, we have seen not only the bat suit, but the Batmobile. Yes, for for Matt Reeves, is it, does it have a, a title or is it just called like the Batman for right now? They're still just calling it like yeah. I think you're right. I think they're running titles just the Batman, but it's not. It's Robert Pattinson. I would actually really enjoy it if that was what the movie was called. If it was called Robert Battenson, I would have a really good time with that. That would be a lot of fun. So what do you think of the Batmobile? To be completely honest, and we talked about this a little bit before recording, I think it looks like trash. It looks like a Fast and the Furious car that Vin Diesel rejected, but at the same time, I mean, oh, I think Meg just got home. Champ's losing his mind downstairs. Can He's you, excited. You, can you hear him? I can. He's excited. Yeah, I love him to death. He's a goober. Yeah, I'm just well, not... I'm getting progressively less and less excited about this new Batman movie. I want them to I want them to bring Joe Manganiello back as Deathstroke, because I feel like he would have been great. But I feel like they're just cutting ties with that movie and starting fresh. I don't know. I'm just... I'm so excited. Yeah, I've... I've got low expectations for it, you know. As soon as they had announced that that was something they were going to be doing, I immediately put my expectations pretty low. You know, I, I said to myself that, you know, it's kind of like what I've said before. We've already had so many bat men 
Hey, it's that... Meg. Oh, hello, Meg. I think he said hello. How are you? He did say hello. Oh, it's a thing. Right, you Getting oh, surprised did you on air. Surprise too. Oh, it's a thing of Oreos. It's a half-empty thing of Oreos and a whole one. I mean, I didn't have dinner, so I'm having Oreos for dinner. I'm there an adult. Bye. I'm a responsible adult. Oh, she's leaving again. Bye, darling. Love you too. Am I gonna be famous? Always. She <laughs> said, "Is she gonna be famous?" So, always. Of course. Of course, she's gonna be famous. We might have to take an Oreo break. What were we but talking about? Yeah, the so Batmobile. I, yeah, the Batmobile. <laughs> I, I really liked it. I, I kind of liked the, the design of it. I thought it's really cool that, you know, definitely from what I've gotten from the movie, or from, not from the movie, but from the uh, stills and the pictures that we've seen so far and, you know, just the rumors kind of swirling around, I definitely think it's a Batman origin story. So I, I think we're... You know, this is his first go around. I want to say, well, I want to say like first draft of his Batmobile. So it's you know, almost his... so. So it's basically year one without being year one. Yes, I, okay. I really think it's it's going to be a year one. Yep, exactly. Mm. In fact, there's even been a few scenes where there's been pictures with him without his cape, and I know that there's a huge possibility that they're just going to put it in digitally. But at the same time, I think it would be kind of cool if we saw him for at least a little while without his cape even on, you know, and he figured that out later. Just going like a progression from hockey pads to bat suit. Essentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like that's really the only way it can work is just a ground up restart. So, I mean, I'm I'm going to go into it with super low expectations. I'll be honest with you. Oh, yeah. So I think. I think that's what you kind of have to do with this, just because I, I'm I'm afraid it's going to fail really bad, and so I'm just kind of preparing myself for that. But speaking of bats, Dracula reboot is rumored to be starting up soon, and this is due to the success of The Invisible Man. Apparently did really good at the box office, so the monster universe may not be dead after all. Ah. Uh. Uh, may uh. not be dead. It's Frankenstein. It's monsters. Um, the, I remember the first time I saw the Invisible Man trailer. This was back mid-fall, I think. And it it terrified me. Like, that movie looked scary. And I had zero desire to see it. And I still don't. But I would be a lot more interested in, like, a Dracula movie. Or even extending that further. Maybe, like, a Jekyll and Hyde movie. Or... Yeah. Um... I mean, maybe not Frankenstein, because I feel like that's kind of a linear story. There's not a whole lot of creative freedom you can do with the Frankenstein story. Um, well, did you see um, Young the Frankenstein? Mummy? Well, oh my gosh, Young I, Frankenstein I, is I fantastic. Love, I love Young Frankenstein, but no, I did that, not see. I did not see the Mummy. Well, just hold on before we go there. A Young Frankenstein movie universe is a universe I could totally get behind. I would love it. Like I oh, would love a, a comedy cinematic universe like that when like all of these yes. comedies exist in the same. Yes, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I mean, Mel Brooks and isn't it, dead. Like, do we have? His, does Bob have his number? Bring him back. <laughs> Disney, Bob, get on Bob, this. Bob, right come now. on, come on. I mean, you're he's worth billions of dollars. Come on, you're sitting on a gold mine. You can do this. Um, but yeah. no, I did. I did not see the Mummy with Tom Cruise. 
Well, first off, it was terrible, so you're not really missing out on much. But the next thing that I wanted to say about it, though, was it kind of it started to tie in the movie universe, the monster movie universe. And so, like, there's a skull that looks like it's from a vampire. And then Jekyll is actually in the movie. Oh. And is played by Russell Crowe. And at one point, he starts to turn into Mr. Hyde. That would be awesome. Fun fun fact about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, Okay. So Robert Robert Louis Stevenson wrote the story. It's originally a fairly short story, I believe. Yes. Yes, Um, it was. The same guy who wrote, uh, I almost said Treasure Planet, wrote Treasure Island. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Two very different things. (laughs) Apparently, the first draft of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde ended so darkly his wife threw it in the fire and no one knows how it ended originally wow it's like one of the great cool literary mysteries of time so how it ends now is i mean at best the second draft probably like the third or fourth or fifth with how how writers processes are but the original ending of dr jekyll and mr hyde is unknown and that fascinates me that's pretty cool I like that. There's your odd fact for the day. No, I like that. So really, they could go any direction with this movie is basically what you're saying. If they did a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I would say they have a lot more creative freedom with it than they would something like a Frankenstein. Wow, that's really cool. Thank you for that. So I take it then that you are completely on board for some sort of monster universe. Yes, assuming they're not like horror horror if there's some type of like suspense or thriller aspect to it like i can get on board with that but if it's like i don't know i don't want them all to be similar to the invisible man in the sense of like like i don't want to not enjoy myself watching this movie right you don't want to lose sleep correct and I, i mean i'm paranoid enough as it is so the Invisible Man would make me lose sleep. I, I would like to see what, what would happen with that. However, speaking of... I'm really trying to fit this all in. Like, segue. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Hulk. Ah, it works. We might be seeing Bruce it Banner works. and the Hulk in She-Hulk. And Mark Ruffalo, of course, will be coming back to revise his role as Hulk. So... That is a possibility. Um, And then just something interesting that I saw about Disney Plus was there was originally plans to do a Tron show, uh, which I would have really enjoyed because I really liked Tron Legacy, but it was thrown out. They decided that it was something that didn't really fit or maybe it didn't work well for them or something. I don't know what what the case may be, but they threw that out. So that's a little bit upsetting, but... You know. So do you think... what happens. Do you think She-Hulk... Sorry, back to She-Hulk. What era do you think that exists in in MCU? Like, will it be Smart Hulk post-Snap? Or would it be, like, pre-Avengers? Like, what time frame do you think that would be? I think that would be the most interesting thing about it. Followed up with, do you think we're going to get, like, the Hulkverse? So, like, Red Hulk... And that's the only other Hulk I can think of, just She-Hulk, Red Hulk, and, well, no, um, Incredible, I think there's an Astonishing Hulk, like Amadeus Cho, 
is the Hulk right. at some point. Like, do you think, depending on the success of She-Hulk, they would bring in these other Hulk characters? Possibly. I do know that, you know, the whole reason that we haven't gotten another Hulk movie is because Universal, in the same way that Sony still owns Spider-Man, Universal still owns the Hulk. And so the reason that we haven't gotten a Hulk movie other than The Incredible Hulk is because Universal still owns the rights to Hulk. So he can Bruce Banner can appear in other Marvel movies, but if it's strictly a Hulk movie, then Universal will make it. Interesting. So and because so that's, because he would be like a featured minor character in She-Hulk. That's how they get around that? Right. Okay. Right. And so I'm guessing because Disney is going to be making a She-Hulk, I'm taking that as Universal doesn't doesn't own those rights. I would think... Because, I mean, Universal would have acquired the rights around the time of Ang Lee's Hulk, right? Early 2000s? Right. I would imagine the, the scope of all of these characters their cinematic rights would not have really been on anyone's radar which is kind of why they're so parceled out like you know new line had blade and like sony had spider-man fox got the fantastic four like those are i mean not blade obviously but like spider-man and fantastic four are pinnacles of what marvel built on Mm -hmm. and if they had this long-term vision of an mcu I don't think there's any way they they sell those. But here we are. They're reacquiring them slowly over time. And, I mean, character, like... I mean, what would you call She-Hulk? Like a C-list? D-list? I would character? say probably a C-list. Like, because she's, she she's almost like Deadpool, where she kind of... Like, she almost exists in her own little universe, in a way, because she's very meta. At I mean, least she, in the comics. She's not Squirrel Girl. Like, come on. No, she's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would actually kind of be interested in, like, a Squirrel Girl one-off episode of something. Not, like, a movie, but, like, a, there you go. There's your fan service. Like, Well, She-Hulk would be a good way to incorporate that. That's fair. That's true. You know? You have She-Hulk episode with Squirrel Girl oh, my in gosh. it. Actually, and then, the the team up we need is uh, Squirrel Girl shows up in Deadpool three. Yes, that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be nutty. And She Hulk could also appear in that as well. That's true. Because there, I think there actually has been some, you know, stories with the two of them together. So, it's possible. But yeah, it opens up a whole new door for all sorts of stuff to happen. So it's pretty exciting. Now, kind of moving off from Marvel and more towards DC, The Three Jokers. Uh, this is a comic series coming, actually starting up June 17th. Uh, Going to be written by Jeff Johns. I don't know. Looks pretty good. Pretty excited about it. Because the, the thought behind it is it explores the, the killing joke, Joker, and that impact of that on Barbara, and then the death in the family joker and the impact of that on jason correct and then what's the what's the third one just the joker in general 
I think or so, yeah. A, a, and just the effect that he's had on Batman. Okay. So I'm I'll be honest with you. I love pretty much everything I've read that Jeff Johns has written. Yeah. Um I've read his entire Green Lantern run, which is one of the few like nerd brags I feel like I have. Did he do Blackest Night? He did a couple of years before Blackest Night. Okay. But the I've read Blackest Night and I really like that. He did the event Blackest Night. Um he also did Green Lantern in that era. Um okay. he, he created most of the other color core. So like the orange lanterns, the yellow lanterns, the blue lanterns. He created most of those. Um cool. he did Flashpoint, which oh, I Yeah, loved. that's right. I forgot about that. I loved Flashpoint. His run on Aquaman was what got me into the character. His run on Justice uh, League. I remember that. Was his run on Justice League did some of the better like they ended up in the DCAU and I feel like they're some of the better plots. Um Did he do Justice League of America? Not that I I don't think so cuz that one was pretty good too. I think JLA start the new 52 Justice League of America started when he was getting off of Justice League. Well, and um, just kind of sticking with that, um, so we mentioned on the last show that 5G was going to be a big event that was going to be happening with DC, um, and the original plan was to create this fifth generation. That's what 5G stands for. Oh. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, well, the idea was is that there's not enough diver- diversity in DC, from what the creators have decided. And so they were going to basically flash forward to the future where the mantle of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and so on, they've been taken up by younger people that are completely different from the people that you would think would take over for those individuals. For example, you might think that a Robin would take over for Batman, but that was not going to be the case. Well, as you can imagine, lots of people were upset about that. So 5G may not end up, may not be the huge event that it was originally thought to be due to the exit uh, Dan DiDio's departure. Due to the overall reaction from fans and media, they have decided to bring it back some. 5G will now be a smaller contained event, and only some of the past comics will actually count. So there you go. I mean, I'm still super hesitant, I'll be honest with you. I got super into the New 52, and then when they ended New 52, I was kind of done. I haven't read a whole lot of Rebirth at all, so... I don't know. I'm I'm not excited mainly because the the potential consequence of this failing is you know DC as a comic company failing and I'm not excited about that. I will say the longer this goes on the more excited I get about the potential of new characters because like I read the first volume of Batwing in New 52 and he's some relation to Lucius. I f- I forgot what I think is like his son or his nephew or I think it's his nephew and I think the bat wing character is fantastic I think there are a lot of things you can do with that that you can't necessarily do with a Batman I think Green Lantern is the most diverse character DC has 
So to always ar- has been to argue that Green Lantern isn't diverse, I feel like is a terrible argument. And and just kind of going off of that, even Aquaman, you and, know, you have like Aqualad. Yeah. And you know, there's been a lot of spin-off characters from that comic run that has inspired a lot of diversity. Yeah. All we're we're going off on a tangent pretty hard. Um, but all of that to say, I kind of hope it's a smaller event with smaller consequences. You know, I hope they don't rein in the scope of the event and expect it to still have the, the magnitude and the impact that a broader event would have, because I feel like that just sets them up for some type of failure. Well, I, you know, you had even said in the last episode, because I had listened to it again just recently, and you, when we talked about the 5G, you had said that, is it just going to be something that happens in a separate universe? And I almost feel like they've kind of reached that point where that might be more of what they're doing. Like, this is just kind of a separate universe in the future to see what other things might happen or could happen. Um, just kind of like a what if, hey, what if this person was Batman or what if this person was Superman? And so, so almost like, or like just, just, just earth one, earth two, that type of thing. When it's like, you can expect these same plots, but with, you know, different application or different characters or that, that type of D DC-ness to it. Cause mul- multiverse things, I will say, I feel like DC has always been better than Marvel at applying Yeah, because they're really good at creating a separate universe, but then running with that universe and then making a whole comic run just for that universe. You know, because like Earth 2, for example, has, isn't Superman African-American in Earth 2? I think so. But I'm I'm not a hundred percent. Earth two I'm is pretty a comic. Sure he like is. I I think I read a couple of issues, but and then even I, um yeah. even Green Lantern is gay in Earth two. See, but the original Green Lantern is gay. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Well, that's Alan Scott is the one that they made gay in Earth two. It's not like they took Hal Jordan and made him gay. Which I mean, they could. I mean, it's Green Lantern, whatever. But like we said, Green Lantern is the character that's had the most diversity. Right. Um, I, we're kind of going off yeah i <laughs> we're uh, spinning out of control i have not been but sleeping enough y- i mean week. i think you get the point that we're trying to make is that you know you can do this 5g event but not make it so i don't know at first they were just trying to make it like this was the end all be all basically yeah like biblical or something you know like this is this is what it is and this is what it's going to be for now on and you know, why do that? Especially when you have such huge fans of what's already going on. Why throw everything else away and just pretend like it... Well, I mean, they're not pretending like it didn't exist, but why change it so drastically, I guess is my my thought. Anywho, to finish up the news... Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that E3 is also canceled due to the coronavirus fears. So I'm so sad. That's a little upsetting. I'm, And it's, it's E3... In a console year, too. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a huge thing. the new Xbox and the new PlayStation are, I think, confirmed to launch at the end of this year. Yeah. And, I mean, those presentations... Even Xbox last year had a massive presentation. Um, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm super bummed about this. I actually took a day off of work last year to go watch E3 with friends of mine from high school. 
we had a big to do about it. It was a lot of fun. Just the the realization, like, oh, you know, we can't have that day again this year, like, really bums me out because that was a really good day. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do with it. I mean, I guess they'll just do kind of like YouTube events or something like that. You, I don't YouTube know. or Twitch probably would be my thought. Is they'll still have their presentation, but it'll be on like Nintendo's Twitch channel. You tune in and watch it and whatever. But you said that finishes up the news. Well, and then one last oh, little bit. One more. Jurassic, a Jurassic World show might be in the works, which I think could be pretty cool. It'll be set in the same universe as the movies. From so. from a who? Who has who has the Jurassic movies right now? I don't even know. I mean, it's um, Amblin is who makes them. So I don't know if that's... Uh, so we'll would, see, would that be Universal, maybe? Which would be NBC. So would it be like a, like like CBS All Access has the Picard show, and that would kind of be their streaming service, like marquee show? Or Could would be. it be just like, a, we're going to partner with Netflix because you're not going to pay for another streaming service? Cause maybe, like, or they I might would, do it with uh, I would want, HBO. I would want to watch you know picard but i have zero desire to get cbs all access all right so, so i wonder how successful that's been and i wonder if it's one of those things that like after the first season or second season like will they move it to hulu will they show it on hulu or something i feel like cbs historically has been very stingy with their shows so i'm not expecting to ever get the chance to see it un- that's so sad unless all access fails drastically and they're just like hey you know what we tried our best we're just gonna repartner with they'll probably pick hulu or netflix and they'll go all out on that way again we shall see so we have to do our uh we have to do our clone wars mini review we're in the middle of this season still oh that's right have you have you seen episode three I did, but I'm honestly drawing a blank on what happened. So episode three of the new, the Disney Plus season of Clone Wars, the episode two ends and they find Echo. So episode three picks up right there. They're in the Techno Union facility. They're trying to get him out. They, they get out of the facility using his knowledge of the facility that he, he gained while he was hooked up to all of their equipment. They go back to the settlement they were at before, which gets attacked by the Techno Union droids, which those droids are awesome. They look like raptors. The raptor, but they can fly? I mean, yeah. they're they're droids, so they can't hit the broadside of a barn, but they can fly, and the design of them is really cool. Like, I don't know that we had talked on that before or not, but that's been my favorite thing so far. So they, they get to the settlement, they defend the settlement, they make an ally for the Republic. That's the end of that episode, right? It's just like, back yeah, to and then they, back they to how it back was, on the ship Echo. and go home. I think, they're, I think they're setting Echo up to be the villain. I think they are too, I'm because... I'm super excited about it. I don't know if you... I'm sure you noticed it too, but when they were leaving and they were like, Hey, you know, let's, let's get back uh, on the ship echo. It's, you know, I think they said something like, Holy cow. Was that, was that thunder? That was thunder. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, poor champ. Champ's losing his mind again. He hates storms. Yeah, because they're getting back on the ship, and, and he's like, okay, well, we're, you know, back to normal, you know, back to the way things used to be. And Echo, I don't know if you, did you notice, but Echo just kind of stared off for a little bit and was like, yeah, back to the way it was, or something like that. It was not, and it was not convincing. It was not, and it was, uh, it was a little unsettling, to tell you the truth. I don't know, I think he's got some, how do you just go back to normal after what you just went through? He's, he's like, got he some just, trauma for sure. He got some major stuff that just happened to him. He lost his legs. He's Lieutenant Diane. And <laughs> and now he's got Darth Maul legs. And he's got all this, like, wires and stuff hooked up to him. I, I mean, it's... He, lo- he looks like he just came out of a pod in the Matrix. Yeah. Like, with those little connectors real. everywhere. That's an excellent description. I It literally just hit me. Because I was like, oh yeah, that's a movie that's going to come out sometime eventually is The Matrix 4. Yes. So overall, how would you rate this episode? I mean, a lot of things... There was very action-y, which was nice. Very much. Like, basically the whole episode was just one fight. I don't... I still don't know. There hasn't been... I don't know. I need more Ahsoka. Like, I need more Ahsoka in this, for sure. Honestly... When it ended, that was my f- that was the first thing I said because Antonio and I have been watching it together. I looked at Antonio and I said, "When is Ahsoka gonna show up?" Because I there was a part of me that expected her to show up in this episode. I feel like Echo is gonna be like the mini bad of the series, and then Ahsoka is gonna show up and like force purge his trauma, and then they're gonna set up someone else to still be the big bad. That's my prediction. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd like to see that. So, sure. I mean, I'll give it like a, I don't know, like a seven out of ten. Like it wasn't bad, yeah. But I, it wasn't like, it was not spectacular. So far, it's been my least favorite episode. I'm honestly going to give it a five out of ten. That's fair. Just it just felt like it was just an extension of the last episode of episode two. It didn't, you know. I like it when an episode like begins and ends and like you can watch it separate and not be totally lost but this if you picked up you know you just watched this episode alone you'd be like wow what that was a lot that just happened you know what what's going on there but you know you've kind of mentioned before that you know rebels and clone wars both they've they do really good at doing um like two-part episodes or three-part episodes you know keep you wanting to come back for more so. It works a lot better when you actually can binge an entire season. It helps. <laughs> if there's like a notable gap between episodes, like you're saying, it doesn't really stand up super well on its own. So that's our Star Wars review. And now uh, onward to our featured review. I like it. Got him. It's funny. Onward. It's funny because we're reviewing Onward this week. I honestly felt like an old geezer. Because I kept calling it upward for a long time, and I was like, "Man, I sound just like my mom or my dad." That's like wonderful, tr- trying to say something young and hip, and then being like, "Hey, let's go see upward." Hey, what what are you doing on my face? Honestly, like upward is the crossover that I didn't know I needed. Yeah, like right? I need. The old man from Up and the brothers from Onward 
to be in a movie Wouldn't that be great? Yes. So instead of Russell, it's Ian and Barley. Yeah. That would be hilarious, and I would 100% watch that movie. And then just go ahead and throw Doug in there, too. The oh, yeah, the dog. dog. I thought you meant, like, Doug Funny, and I was like, what <laughs> kind of movie is this going to be? That's another amazing crossover. <laughs> Pretty good movie, honestly. I take it you saw it. <laughs> I, I feel terrible, um, because this is the first movie that Meg and I went and saw where we didn't go to our local theater. We went to a chain, and I feel like I betrayed the local theater. Yes. Um, it honest, I get it. It honestly came down to showtimes. Mm. We needed one that was just a little bit later than the local theater had, and um, the chain offered it, and begrudgingly I went and saw it. I went into it super low. Um, not super, not low expectation, but like I didn't know a whole lot about it. I mean, it's a Pixar, so you can't yeah. put it too low. I mean, you know it's going to be halfway decent. Yeah, but it wasn't one that I had like circled on the calendar, like Onward comes out today. So I hadn't been following it super well. I was very pleasantly surprised. I think jumping straight into kind of a, a longer term review, I think it's a solid mid-tier Pixar movie to me. Because it's not upper echelon, and I don't even know that I would necessarily call it, like, second tier. Because to me, you have things like um, The First Incredibles and Up, Toy Story, Toy Story 2. Those are, like, the pinnacles of Disney Pixar, to me at least. And then under that, you have things like uh, Inside Out, I feel like was very underrated. Um, A Bug's Life, I feel like was really good. And then just a little bit under that, I I got a lot of Inside Out vibes from yeah from onward yeah and honestly that's um i was just about to say like you were just kind of you know kind of comparing you know it's not it's not on the you know it's not upwards of toy story toy story 2 um, like monsters inc like it's not toy story 2 but it's not cars 3 either it's not cars 3 you're right and it's not um what was what was that movie the good dinosaur did you ever see that that's a movie Yes. Oh, oh yeah. My no, gosh. I did not see that. Oh my goodness, it was terrible. Uh, that definitely was the lowest I think I've ever seen Pixar fall. It was pretty bad. I almost think they like to pretend like that one didn't exist. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but I was gonna say, it, to me, it was right there with Inside Out. Like it was, it was good, but it it was a movie that had a lot of feeling to it. It was a movie that taught like a really good, like heavy lesson. Like you, you left the theater kind of going, wow, that was, that was intense. Like that, that was, that was some pretty heavy stuff that we just watched, but, but it was enjoyable. I agree. I feel like it's the, the separation of using non-human characters allows you to kind of get into heavier stuff a lot more subtly Mm -hmm. than you can. Cause I mean, they, they address that in Inside Out by having the emotions be the characters and in that vein, I think Inside Out worked better for me personally because it's a lot more direct of an application to where onward I could still separate and been like, oh man, that's a really good movie, but it didn't necessarily hit home as hard as as hard as Inside Out did for me. That was actually a really good spoiler-free review right there. Look at us. We're growing up. I did... Re- I did re- really like it from a narrative standpoint um there were a couple of things 
I'm still weirded out knowing that Tom Holland is very British. And then him <laughs> not using his British accent in things. And he does such a good job with the with the American accent. So, like, Chris Pratt is Chris Pratt. He's always going to be Chris Pratt. It sounded like Spider-Man was playing Ian and not Tom Holland. Yeah, it did. I really liked the relationship between the brothers and the older brother's name. Were they saying Barley? Yeah, like the green. Okay, Barley was hilarious and reminded me of me except maybe not quite that dorky because he was like into like dungeons and dragons type of stuff you know and barley I didn't get into any of that barley 100 percent reminded me of one of my old bosses because <laughs> he like tried to talk me into going to a, a tabletop game session with him it's like an oh, hour yeah. and a half away and I was like, if this was in town, yes, I'm I'm on board. But I'm not going to drive an hour and a half one way to do something I might hate. And that's not to hate on those that do play it. I mean, uh, if you love it, that's great. Oh, I'm, I'm a, glad I'm you a, do. I'm 100% willing to play it. And I think and it, the application of that as a plot dynamic in Onward was super interesting. Because that Barley's knowledge of the, the tabletop game furthered the plot so well like yeah. it worked a lot better than it had any right to it was pretty great so for those that maybe haven't seen it the basic plot of this movie is um this is a world where fantasy is real and wizards dwarves elves pixies and magical creatures are actually real and so the world was full of magic, and then they discovered that there was an easier way to live, which in, a, in the same way that we discovered, hey, there's the light bulb, and there's electricity, and you can also create these things called cars and airplanes so that you don't have to use your wings, and you can drive instead of riding a horse. And then even like the centaur, you know, uh, Barley at one point is like talking to uh, the centaur that his mom is now dating. And that was such an like... uncomfortable dynamic. <laughs> and he's like, you know, you can run. Your ancestors ran up to 80 miles per hour. And he's like, well, yeah, well, I don't have to anymore because I've got a car. <laughs> and it was it was pretty funny. But so then what happens is, is... Um, the older brother got to meet his father and was pretty young, probably three or four years old, when his dad passed away. But when his dad passed away, his mom was pregnant with his younger brother. And so his younger brother actually never got to meet his dad. And so in this world where the magical creatures have gotten lazy, the dad figured out a magic, a magical way that he could come back and visit his children after he had passed. And so the story takes off from there, and they go on a quest to find a stone that can bring their dad back for one day. And then that's when, of course, the trip is where all the hilarity ensues. And <laughs> I love the scene where uh, Ian is trying... He, we, we discover that Ian is magical. He can use magic. And so he's going to try to make the gas can bigger so that the gas in the gas can, there's more of it. And then they can gas up the uh, 
old van. And of course it doesn't work, but he shrinks barley to a little bitty, little tiny, like almost pixie size. And it gets funnier because when they go to the gas station, the pixies are a motorcycle gang. They run into these pixies and, um, and of course, like Barley's trying to teach them, hey, you know, your ancestors could fly and they use their wings and why even have this motorcycle? And they start getting into this fight. That whole, I loved that whole scene. I was laughing so hard. Trying to think what my favorite, I think one of my favorite things was like the constant callbacks to the gelatinous cube. Yeah. How that was like that was pretty good set too. up to be this big bad villain from the game, and then when they encounter it on the quest, Meg looked at me. She was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "That's a gelatinous cube. It's the cube. It exists." And it was menacing and like very intimidating. And it really did everything that it absorbed. It just killed it, <laughs> disintegrated it. And then I just liked all the like just little spells along the way. You know, there was the. You know, they float on a giant Cheeto and uh, down the river. It was just, it was good. It was very good. And the, and kind of like what you said, you know, they incorporated that tabletop game into the whole quest along the way. Because Barley kept saying, you know, like everybody kept saying, like Ian especially was like, this is a game. You know, this is a game. This isn't real life. And he goes, yeah, but it's based on fact. It's based on history. And so, sure enough, you know, along the way, like, the book was full of spells that Ian was able to use, and it was it was cool. It was a very well-thought-out movie. Speaking of the spells that Ian was able to use, so obviously, the movie has a, a big bad at the end, that the the curse of the quest, they find the, they, they find the gem, the gem has a, a cursed guardian, and one thing that I really enjoyed is how they, like, Ian learns all these spells throughout the movie, and then the application of them in the, the climactic fight scene felt fairly fluid. It did. Like, none of them really looked super out of place. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is that thing that he learned to do, you know, this other thing 30 minutes ago but he's applying it differently here. I, I like that. Yeah, and then even, like, you know, he loses his wizard staff, but he still have this, has the splinter. That splinter hurt. He, like, watching that and then pull it out of his hand, I was like, ah! Yeah, well, and then he remembers, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, magic is in everything. And so then he pulls the splinter out and does the spell to enlarge the splinter. And then uses the splinter as his magical staff. Like, it was it was very creative. Very cool. There aren't a whole lot of, like, super memorable minor characters. So, like, heart, like a, a callback to our earlier, to earlier in the episode talking about, like, Batman maybe not having a cape. There's not an Edna mode in this movie. There's not, mm. like, an iconic, no capes. Like, that character does not exist in this movie to me. Yeah, I think the closest thing might be the waitress the manticore the the manticore i think that's the closest thing but even her character but it it really wasn't like she played a pretty major role so i don't know how much that would really count but the manticore was pretty cool i feel like there's just so much more they could have done with them like 
the manticore is like mostly lion but it has wings and a scorpion tail like there's so much more you could do with that character that scene at the pawn shop was pretty funny that i like has there ever been a, a pixar movie that just straight up made it oh like condoned committing a crime I don't think so. Because that's straight uh, up what that was. Like she, like well, they, para- no, they paralyze I, the pawn shop owner and steal the sword. Toy Story encourages Grand Theft Auto. Um, I also think. Sorry, we are we are skipping past a very notable thing that happened in this movie. The short. Oh yes, the, that's right. The short at the so every Disney Pixar movie has a short at the beginning, and this one was The Simpsons. It was. I did and not expect it, that. I was very confused. And it was actually very enjoyable. I liked it a lot. I agreed. I liked it more than most shorts. I think the only one that I remember at all, so it's the only one that I like, is the, the dumpling one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, which, which one I don't that remember what of? it was before. It's the only short I remember. The, the I actually really enjoyed the Simpsons one. I thought it told a very good story. It did. It was cute. Um, of course, I, I don't know about you. I've always been a fan of The Simpsons. I've always enjoyed watching it. And so when Disney acquired The Simpsons, it was kind of weird, but they they've actually made it work rather well. I'm I'm I've never watched The Simpsons, and at this point, I'm too intimidated to try to catch up. One, <laughs> it's because a lot. There, it's a lot, and two, because like most historical events, things that happen. The Simpsons somehow predicted like 30 years ago, and that's terrifying to me. Like, it, what if Matt, what if Matt Groening is from the future, trying to warn us about things through a cartoon? Futurama. That's that's scary. It's not something we're about on this podcast. We want you to have fun and not think. I made that up. That's not that's not what we're about. We want you to have a good time. Well, just jumping into spoilers, which most of our review has been pretty spoiler free, but. The major spoiler is at the end, and where it really gets emotional is at the end. Because, you know, the one thing that Ian has been working towards is seeing his dad. He's been wanting his dad to be there the whole time. He wants to talk to him. He wants to drive a car with him. He wants to, um, I don't know, lots of different, he has a whole list. You know, he gets towards the end, and he starts realizing that this thing might not actually happen. And so he starts looking through his list and starts marking everything off. But then he starts realizing he actually did get to do all those things. It just was with his brother. And then he realizes that his brother has been there the whole time. And has been there supporting him the whole time. And loving him. And he's really kind of been his father figure in his life. It was a, it was a great moment. And a great little montage, but Meg ruined it for me because in that moment when he has that epiphany, Meg leaned over to me and she goes, Barley's his dad, in the sense of like (laughs) clearly poking fun at it. And I was like, Uh oh, that's ruined now. Like, that's a really weird moment, I guess. It was a very sweet moment Um, because, you know, I think, you know, this actually does happen. You know, especially like, I mean, this could happen with lots of different relationships, but, you know, even relationships where like the mother and father have, you know, gotten divorced and dad's not around very much, you know, and so it it was just, it was really cool to, to watch that and see that. And, 
you know, and then at the very end, there's the chance that Ian could actually see his dad. But in order to make his dad actually appear, somebody's going to have to fight off this dragon, this uh, monster that's trying to stop him. And uh, so Ian decides, you know, you know, we found out earlier in the movie that Barley never got to say goodbye to his dad because he was too scared. And so Ian's like, no, you need to see dad and you need to tell him goodbye because you never got that chance. And then he goes off and then that's when he does all the really cool magic stuff, you know, that we talked about him doing it. So flowed so easily. It was just, it was a really cool, really cool scene. I don't know. Really hit me, you know, really touched my heart. And I was like, that's, that's a really cool thing to, to see happen. I, in terms of that specific story aspect, um, I'm actually on the other side about it. I found that very hard to believe because imagine wanting something for 16 years. You've only wanted this one thing and you get a once in a lifetime opportunity to get that thing. And over the course of 24 hours, actually even, even less than that over the course of like, like three hours, 40, like 45, like some short, short amount of time, you have this rapid character development to say like, no, as much as I want this thing, it's more important for you to have it. Like, do you remember, this is a very odd uh, reference. Do you remember National Treasure 2? Yeah. So do you remember how the villain, uh, Ed Harris, is so like villainy and he's so evil, like for the whole movie? And then at the end of the movie, he just has this 180 about face, complete change of character, and it just took me out of the movie. That's kind of the similar vibe that I got to to Ian's epiphany that Barley is the one who needed to have that moment. And it took me out of the movie a little bit, but then, like you were saying, the rest of it flowed really, really well. I thought, I don't know how you do it better, but I think it could be done better. Yeah. And it, and it was, it was painful to watch and it was hard to watch because you were rooting for Ian the whole time, you know, and you're like, oh man, maybe he can still get there in time, you know, and he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't have a way to get to his dad so that he can meet his dad. And so it, it was painful to see. But at the same time, I think knowing that he realized, you know, I always had somebody there for me. You know, even though my father wasn't around, I still had somebody who loved me very much and cared for me and got to do all these things that a dad would typically do with me. I got to do that with my brother. And I was at peace with it, I guess, in a way. Like, I felt I felt good. And I was like, yeah, you know, he still got that. And, and you know, Barley got to finally have that closure with his dad that he didn't get to have before. Um, whereas Ian never even got to meet him. So, you know, it, it, like, yeah, it hurts that he still never got to meet him. But at the same time, like, you got to heal somebody else's wound that had been affecting him for a long time. And, and, you know, we kind of see that even in the way that Barley is living, you know, because at one point, you know, the people start calling him a, a screw up, 
you know, and part of the reason that he is the way he is is because he has he carries so much guilt not getting to see you know, not getting to say goodbye to his dad. And so it was pretty cool that he finally got that closure cuz there's a lot of people that never ever get that. And so I I really appreciate it. Here I am. I'm I sound like a therapist now. Welcome to the talking hour with marriage and family therapist Jay Crowder. Sorry. I went off on No, a... I thought it was a really interesting I mean cuz I I agree and that's obviously the the rationale and the reasoning behind it. I don't know. Ian is still the main character to me as much mm-hmm. as it's about Ian and Barley. Ian is the main character. Seeing yeah. him not get the thing that he started out wanting more than anything was very difficult for me even though like you're saying it ends up being his Wrath of Khan moment. Like, he sacrificed himself for the greater good, so to speak. The needs of the many outweigh (laughs) the needs of the few. Yep. It was good. Well, maybe we should rate it. This is super intimidating. My Pixar scale is not... So I'm I'm content to do it on a scale of Cars 3 to... Again, this is me personally. Up is my favorite Disney Pixar movie. Okay. Even more than Toy Story and Toy Story 2. So for me, okay. on a, I, and I feel guilty even putting Cars 3 as the low end of the of the scale because I've never seen it. It just looked well, so bad. Okay. I had zero, like I had, it looked so bad, I have zero desire to ever see that movie, mm. which I feel like is an indictment on its own. Um, well, I can confirm for you it is pretty stinking bad. Okay. <laughs> I am going to say... For me personally, on my scale of Cars 3 to Up, it is A Bug's Life, where okay. it is good, it teaches you things, it is rewatchable, but it is not necessarily like going to win awards. Okay, alright, I can see that. Um, My scale, top movie, Pixar movie for me, is Monsters, Inc. I love that movie so much. And then my lowest is going to be The Good Dinosaur. <sighs> I still can't believe I watched that. Um, I am going to put it right there. It's uh, To me, it is on the same level as Inside Out. Because for me, like Inside Out, to me, isn't rewatchable for some reason. Like I, like I saw it the first time and I really enjoyed it. But I was like, yeah, okay, that's, that's enough of that one. I'm not going to watch that one again. That's not to say, like, if, you know, if it was on, you know, and... I mean, I wouldn't mind watching it again, but I'm not going to go out of my way to, you know, to do that. Um, so I'm going to put it right there with Inside Out. I think out. this is another another thought that I just had. The one thing I think that puts Inside Out slightly above it for me is Inside Out has that iconic moment of Bing Bong sacrificing himself, saying, take her to the moon for me or whatever whatever it is he says in that moment. And, like, that moment resonates more with me than any singular moment in Onward did. Okay. So, the, like, I have a hard time So picturing... it's just that the movie resonated better with you with Inside Out. It did, and, and I talked about that earlier, but it also doesn't have this iconic, like, hey, do you remember this one moment? Like, that's what's going to define this movie. Because, I mean, mm. you look at, like... 
I'm trying to think. I mean, for Up, the the opening of that movie really sets it apart for me. Like that is that is Up. And then I mean, for Monsters Inc., I don't know if there's a moment for you that you're just like, yeah, this is it. But like Toy Story, when they're um, when they're flying at the end, just like these iconic moments. And Onward to me does not have that. I'm trying to think of other like iconic Disney Pixar moments, and I'm I'm struggling. Well, um, with Monsters Inc., you mentioned Monsters Inc. There's the ending, the very 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 end where he, they put the door back together, and he opens the door, and you hear Boo on the other side, and she says Kitty, and that's how it ends. Which is why I was super upset when they did Monsters University, because I was like, Dad. It. He got to see her again. You gotta tell me there's more to that story. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, uh, sorry, I thought of another one. Uh, Frozone with a, where's my super suit? Like, that's <laughs> just a, that, that is a quote. You can place it. You yeah. know where that is. And Onward does not have that moment for me. So, yeah. again, a very precise criticism. Yes. But on the whole, I really enjoyed it. I recommend it, for sure. If you feel like taking a risk... And going out in public, by all means, go see this movie. It's pretty good. And you can go see it as an adult. Nobody's going to stare at you weird. I mean... Pixar movies are for everybody. Yeah. This could be... I mean, we saw it on a Wednesday night in, like, the late evening. So that could be why our theater wasn't super populated. But, Mm -hmm. like, even if it was, you know, it would have been fine. You know, you might want to think twice before going to see Frozen by yourself. Or, like... The other this is a this is a super nitpicky thing that has nothing to do with the movie itself, but like the trailer set for this movie was like all childish, and I had zero desire to see like any of them except Scoob. Like the new Batista movie with the spy and like Trolls Two was like this is killing my movie watching experience because I love trailers. <laughs> And they're all, I remember I I was making a joke to to Meg. I was saying, oh, we can't see that movie. It's rated PG for mild, rude humor. And like, that's as rough as those trailers got was PG for occasional rude humor. That's just not me. I mean, what else can they do? Like, we had a trailer for that, for another upcoming Pixar movie, uh, Soul. That movie looks so sad. Does. It looks very interesting. Because it though. was a, like a super teaser. Like, it didn't really go into a whole lot, but I already felt the emotional appeal of that movie, and I'm very yeah. scared of it. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I'm trying to remember the last movie that I just straight up cried in. Because, like, don't get me wrong, I shed a tear in Endgame, but it wasn't like a, I wasn't sobbing like the girl next to me was. That is a true story. She was straight up sobbing. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to think about that. The last movie I saw that I straight up cried in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I try not to keep track of that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, I can remember the next pit or the last Pixar movie that I straight up cried in was uh, Toy Story 3. See, I felt really heartless when I saw Toy Story 3. Because I didn't. And in the build-up, I saw Toy Story 3 super, super late. Like, I think I watched it on Netflix, was how late I watched oh. Toy Story 3. Oh, and wow. everyone was like, oh, it's really good, it's really good. Um, but you're gonna cry. Like, it's gonna get you. And I watched this entire movie, and I couldn't, like, I was wa- talking to my friends afterwards. 
And I was like, was I supposed to cry like when they were about to get melted or when he gave them away at the end? Because when he gave them away at the end is what almost got me. See, that's what got me was the ending. Because that moment was amazing. And the fact that they made Toy Story 4 at all kills me. Yeah. Because that's such a great end. It's a perfect ending. Yeah, it was a perfect ending. It's it really so, was. It's so rare you get a perfect ending like that, and they still squandered it. I, mm. Good job, Pixar. Well, that's that's Bob. You know, gotta gotta get the money. It's all about the money. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> um. <laughs> I feel like we finally well, need to we need to wrap up. We've been tangenting for a bit. Well, I I think I think you're I think you're right. I think we better wrap this thing up. Um. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for joining Thanks us. For... Um, I did want to give everybody an update. Uh, John and I do live in Tennessee. We won't say exactly where, but it is in Middle Tennessee. Um, John, thankfully, lives in more of the southern Middle Tennessee, the the southern of the Middle. He was not affected as much as we were. Uh, my family and I, we live, um, I won't say where, but we lived along the path of the tornado. And so it was uncomfortably close to us, but we are okay. Uh, we didn't have any damage. Um, we are safe. Uh, it was just very, very scary. But if you have donated or are planning to donate uh, to any of the tornado funds here in Tennessee, um, that would be great. We, we need it. There is so much damage. It's amazing. And so many families have just been, their lives have just been turned upside down uh, with destruction. And, you know, several families have lost loved ones. Um, you know, or have been seriously injured. I think Putnam County really got hit the the worst, honestly. Um, they haven't been talking a lot about that in the news. I mean, Nashville got hit pretty hard. Uh, so did Mount Juliet and Lebanon. But Putnam County, Cookville area, they got hit super hard. And that's actually where the most deaths were. So if you are able to donate, uh, if you can find some sort of way to help in that area in particular i know those people there would really appreciate it but i just wanted to throw that out there before we wrap everything up john can you tell them where they can reach us i can um just to piggyback off of that um i know it's been you know by the time this episode releases and then by the time you listen to it time will have passed from the tornado that hit our state uh, tornadoes actually I believe they did confirm it was multiple yeah um, I think it was nine different ones yeah, actually I know back closer to when it happened we shared a link or a, a post about how to donate more towards the the Putnam County area we'll probably try to find that and reshare it because Nashville's gonna Nashville you know Nashville rebuilds but but Putnam County might not necessarily get the same love so you can find that post on our facebook page uh, facebook.com slash they didn't ask us um, please like us share us with your friends uh, message us we would love to get uh, your feedback and just kind of get to get involved with more of our community um, you can email us at they didn't ask us at gmail.com 
And then uh, if you listen to us through our, our Anchor profile on anchor.fm, uh, you can actually leave us a voice message. So um, those are... We, we can for sure. Those are the, the three avenues that that I have, uh, unless you've, unless you've got one, uh, Jay's personal cell phone number is, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought about maybe doing some sort of phone number, like a, uh, so that it's easier to get a hold of us. Like a text line. Yeah. Text line or even like a Google number. Uh, I forgot what exactly what that's called technology. Yeah, but if you think that's a good idea, you can message us on Facebook. <laughs> yeah we'd like to hear from you we really would Uh, but thank you so much for for listening Um, uh, once again thank you for any any time or money that you donate uh, to those that are in need Uh, we really do appreciate it of course you know if you're listening to this a year from now you can completely ignore what we're saying Um, because I'm sure everything's fine now hopefully Uh, but uh, stay safe out there wash your hands don't touch your face Stay inside. Wipe your butt. That's the that's the that's the advice I've seen on plastered on my Facebook is wash your hands, wipe your butt. Obviously, in the other order. Um, be, hi- Which, be hygienic. Uh, be safe. Well, all the toilet paper got sold out. So, such a weird thing. That's where I'm gonna tangent again. I'm sorry. We need to end the episode. All right, guys. See you next time. And until then, nerd out. <laughs>Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of They Didn't Ask Us. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to us at theydidn'taskus at gmail.com. You can also reach us on our social media. Our newly created Facebook account, facebook.com slash theydidn'taskus. While you're there, uh, feel free to like our posts, follow our page, and share our content with your friends. We'd love to have you. Check back with us in two weeks to hear more ramblings and opinions from your new favorite podcast.